Welcome to the podcast of Life Change Church, where we exist to love people to life change. We hope that this podcast is both challenging and encouraging to you. Enjoy the message. All right, well, hey, good morning. We're so excited you're here as we are in our third week of our series entitled Overcomer. And if you remember from last week, we actually defined the word overcomer. We defined uh, an overcomer as a person who really deals with a problem or deals with a difficulty, deals with, with some issue, and they deal with it with success, right? Someone who's de- defeated an opponent, someone that's uh, prevailed against an obstacle. And what we talked about is when what we noticed is that the, the overcomer is not free of issues, right? The overcomer is not free of obstacles. They're not, they're not free of problems, but they actually just meet them head on and they defeat them as well. And it's, it's an amazing feeling to, to achieve that, right? It's an amazing feeling to, to achieve and to become an overcomer. So just thinking about it right now, how many of you guys maybe made a New Year's resolution this year? Did anybody make a New Year's resolution or make a goal for 2019? Some of you guys are like, I'm not raising my hand because I'm not an overcomer at this, right? All right for some of us, we did, right? And here's, the, here's what happened probably. If you made a goal for 2019, if you made a resolution, if you set forth for something, chances are there was an obstacle that came in the way, right? For you, maybe, maybe your goal was to lose weight. Well, for you, the obstacle was obviously the Taco Tuesday craze of 2019, right? <laughs> Clearly, it, it caused some damage for us. For you, maybe it was actually waking up and uh, trying to get to the gym. For you, maybe go, uh, if you had a goal of saving money, I'm guessing that you probably had an appliance breakdown this year, right? Something went wrong. You had a tire that you had replaced in your car, whatever, right? There's always an obstacle that comes together. Right? Maybe you had a goal of being nicer at work and treating people a little bit better. And would you know that your coworkers didn't change? You still had the coworkers that were really annoying that you wanted to slap. So there's an obstacle, right? It's an obstacle. There's always issues and there's always things that come in the way. Right? To overcome, there's always going to be an obstacle. But for you, maybe you did reach some of those goals. Those of you that raised your hand said, yeah, I had a resolution and I made it. Right? That feeling, though, that feeling, it's pretty good. Right? There's, there's something about it. Something makes you want to raise your hand up. And for us to, to achieve something, to overcome something, it's an amazing feeling. And I'm just going to uh, share with you a little bit today. I've got some, some, bra- some wins I can, I'm going to brag on a little bit. So for you, maybe I shared a lot of my resolutions. I shared my goals at the beginning of the year, if you remember. One of my goals was to uh, read 25 books and listen to 52 podcasts. And let me just tell you, I got it done. Right? So I've read 25 books, 52 podcasts. Some pretty good stuff. And then I've done some other things as well. We had some financial goals. We had a financial goal of uh, starting a 529 savings plan for our kids for college. We looked at them and figured, you know, they may have a chance, so let's go ahead and start saving for them. So we started, and let me tell you, with 15 years of savings and building up, they may be able to take one class, no books, but one class, right? <laughs> but we started, right? There's some things that we achieved. And then, well, the truth is there's other goals that I didn't quite accomplish. I had a goal of writing 225 journal entries for uh, 2019, so right now I have uh, 35. So I won't be here for the next few weeks because I'm just going to be writing away. <laughs> no, I didn't quite get it. And then um, there's another goal. I'm, I got it. I'm about 12 pounds away from my goal weight, so I can either like not eat for the next month and a half, but we have Thanksgiving and pecan pie is like my weakness, so I, I've got to try to be an overcomer to not eat a whole pecan pie by myself. But the truth is, you know, there's sometimes we, we don't get those goals. And I had some other physical goals, and then I was an idiot, and I fell off my mountain bike, and I messed up my shoulder. So my bench pressing goal is, is to the win right now, no longer. But 
it's, it's kind of frustrating, but the truth is there's some times, there's some times we don't quite hit the goals. There's some times we do and it feels good, but here's what I want to know. Here's what I want us to understand through this series, right? The, the feeling of being an overcomer is more than just a feeling when it comes to Jesus, when it comes to us as followers of Christ. It's not just a feeling, it, but it's, it's who we are, right? It, it's part of our identity, right? It's who he created us. It's how he created us to be. So no matter what you came in, if you came in here feeling like an overcomer, or if you came in here feeling like I do about my Jonah entries, I still want you to understand that you are an overcomer through Christ, right? It's who you are. In fact, if you call yourself a follower of Christ, it's a promise that we can hold on to. Again, we have a couple memory verses that hopefully you've written down. Maybe you've even committed to memory right now. But 1 John 5, 4 says, For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. If we are born of God, meaning this, meaning that we believe that Jesus is the Messiah, we believe that Jesus came, lived a perfect life, died on a cross, paid the penalty for our sins, and was risen again, conquering death. If we believe that and we're committed to him, then we are an overcomer. And Paul says it this way in Romans 8, 37. He says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors. It's more than just a feeling, but it's who we are. So again, no matter how you walk through these doors, I want you to understand through Christ, you are an overcomer. And today we're going to talk really about how we can let this truth take root in our lives. We're going to talk about how we overcome comparison, right? How we overcome the comparison trap. So as we start off, I want us to, to play a quick little game. Maybe a game that you guys played before. And so we're going to do the kid version and we're going to do it with, you're going to get a glimpse into the Huffman household and you're going to get a glimpse of uh, what my kids ask me in the games we play each and every day. But we're going to play the Would You Rather game. Anybody ever played Would You Rather? Right? Again, kid version, just in case you guys got dirty minds. But this is the kid version. So the kid version is, is this, that my kids will come up with a few questions of would you rather, and for them, it's always about something that they're going to eat or put in their mouth, and like something along those lines. So let's just play this game. You guys can just shout this out loud. You'll notice that some people are different, but we'll go ahead. So would you rather, question number one is this. It's an easy one. Would you rather eat potatoes or oranges? So we've got some sweet fans. We've got some salty fans. You can find that out right there. Now the next one, you're going to have to think a little bit more. This is more of a process. You're going to have to think through the process of this. But would you rather, and again, eat, would you rather eat cardboard or metal? It's, hopefully you realize it digests better, so let's go the way around, right? And then number three, and this is one that sometimes they, they start putting some application to their questions, and I've walked in the kitchen and I've seen them mixing things. Would you rather eat salsa with pickles or Laffy Taffy with pepper? Again, no rhyme or reason, just thought it was funny, and that's just a little insight into the Huffman household and what we go through each and every day and the thousands of the questions that we play, right? But the Would You Rather game, it's, it's kind of a fun game, and really, it's, it's pretty harmless. It's, it's pretty harmless, especially when we play that verse and we have the kids give us the questions. And what it is, though, it's a comparison game, right? It's a comparison game. And if you think about it, comparison is something we all do. It's something we do every single day. I mean, if you think about it, we compare foods, each day we compare foods, like what we're going to eat. We, in our minds, we're saying, which one's healthier for me? Which one tastes better? And then we go with the taste better, right? That's, again, why I still have 13 pounds to go. No, you go with the certain things. You're comparing things. I mean, even in our minds, we compare words we say when we're talking to somebody. 
And just milliseconds, we're comparing thousands and thousands of words in our minds, determining what we're going to say to better communicate what we want and what the point that we want to share and what we want to get across, right? Think about it. That's, that's an amazing thing. We compare so many things. And when it comes to shopping, what do we do? We compare things. Right now, as we're going into the Christmas season, we're comparing things. We're comparing what our kids want, what our kids need. We compare prices. Obviously, we're comparing all these things. And if you've been on Amazon, Amazon does a great job for us because they just set it up for us, right? They allow us to, to, to match and see things compared to each other. Right? We live in a culture where it's so easy to compare things right now. Right? We compare prices, quality, and all these things. I mean, check this slide out here. Here's Amazon. And for the church, we need some new c- cables. And what does it give you? It gives you, hey, compare with similar items. Now, they don't know me, but clearly, I don't get past the price point. I said, just, just get the cheapest one, right? Because that's how I am. But no. Right there, you see all these things, and it's easy to compare things. And in fact, sometimes it can be good. Like it can cause us to get a good deal. It can cause us to, to maybe eat healthier. It can cause us to communicate better. But what happens with comparison, and just like many things, we end up taking it way too far. Right? We end up taking comparison and not just comparing things, but we start comparing who we are. Are you comparing ourselves? We can start comparing our, our value. We start comparing our worth. And we take it from just being a goofy game. We take it from, from just learning how to shop better. And we take it to, to really placing it on who we are. And what that is, it's a trap. Right? It's the comparison trap. And it can cause so much damage in our lives. In fact, here's what I want us to understand. Right? When we take comparison to our lives, when we take comparisons and, and, and we put our identity in that trap, right? here's what happens. Where comparison begins, contentment ends. Where comparison begins, contentment ends. And here's why. Number one is comparison is the fastest way to kill something special. Comparison is the fastest way to kill something special. I mean, think about it. How many of you ever bought something at the store? You brought it home. You were actually happy with the store. You thought you got a good deal. It was on sale. You're thinking like, dude, I could totally use this. This is going to be great. Maybe it's even something you've been searching out for. You wanted for a while and you're like, dude, this is going to be amazing. You were excited about it, right? You busted out of the box. You were using it. And then what you decided to do, you decided to Google it. Like the worst thing ever. Because all of a sudden, when you Google it, again, it shows different comparison things. And then you find out, oh, there's a better product of this. And then you look at the prices and you're like, oh my goodness, there was one cheaper than this, right? For me, that's just a punch to the gut because I'm cheap. But like you look at that and you're thinking like, oh my goodness. And not only that, maybe there was a newer version or a, a better model, right? That's what comparison does. It can take something special and can kill it faster than anything else. Because there's always the bigger, the better, the newer, the cooler. And what there is, there's always the er, the E-R, right? And the earth can kill something special faster than anything else. And a lot of times what we do is instead of just taking products and just taking material things, we take ourselves and then we look and we find that there's somebody with an er compared to ourselves. Right? Listen, I'm just going to let you in on a secret. In this room, there's probably somebody prettier than you. There's probably somebody healthier than you. There's probably somebody stronger than you. And I hear the people say, nope. <laughs> Outside of this room, there's people that are healthier. There's people that are stronger. There's people, there's people that are better in certain areas. But when we look at that, when we see that land of Ur, what it does is it immediately negates our value, right? It takes what we are. We are all special. God's created us in a special way. He's created us for, for certain things, for purposes that he wants us to, to fulfill. 
And when we take that whole special, it takes that and we put it in the land of Ur compared to others, it takes it and it kills that something special. And not only that, there's not only Ur, but there's Ist, right? Happiest, greatest, healthiest, whatever. And when we live in the land of Ur and Ist, it kills something special faster than anything else. Because what it does is it creates this insecurity in us that no external factor can meet, right? That no external factor can fulfill. When it comes to comparisons, there will never be enough errs and ist. There'll never be enough money and never enough followers. There'll never be enough attention. There'll never be enough likes on Facebook, enough popularity. There's never enough. And honestly, I think a lot of us, because of social media, this is where we live. We live in the land of err and est. Everybody puts something out there and look how happy it is. But it's a highlight reel, right? For some of us, we're looking at what they have and what they have isn't meant for us anyway. And when we live in that land, it kills something special. Number two reason why comparison is a trap and leads us away from contentment is that comparison makes you feel either superior or inferior. Comparison makes you feel either superior or inferior. Think about this. How many of us like to feel inferior? No one. It's not a great feeling. But this is what comparison does. When we see that somebody has something better than us. When we see that somebody, that somebody maybe looks better than us, when we see that somebody maybe spent a little more time in the gym than us, if we see all these things, right, what do we do? We automatically, we feel inferior to them, right? We feel lesser. We feel, we feel like we're not good enough. We almost feel like we're second class. And some of us, that's where we are. Some of us, we walked in here with some insecurities. We walked in here not feeling that great about ourselves. We walked in here not feeling really how we should feel because we're trapped in this land of Ur. We're trapped in this comparison game and we're living a life of inferiority because of it, right? And it's not a good feeling, right? But comparison makes us feel that way. It makes you feel either superior or inferior. Now, some of you are thinking like, what about superior, right? How many of you ever feel superior? Some of you are like, dude, I like that feeling, right? It's a, it's a great feeling. I like to feel better than others. But here's what I want you to understand. The closer you walk with Jesus, the closer you walk with Jesus, the less the feeling of superiority will feel worse and worse and worse because it's not who he is, right? And it's not who he called us to be, right? He called us to be servants of others. And when we live in the land of comparison, it keeps us from doing that. It keeps our eyes from Jesus. In fact, comparison won't allow you to faithfully follow Jesus because it takes our eyes off of him. You think about it, to compare, where do you have to look? You have to look around, right? You have to look left. You have to look right. You have to look across from you, looking at, at different people, looking at things that, that your focus shouldn't be on, right? And when we do this, when we get trapped in comparison, our eyes are off Jesus, and we get led astray, and it can lead us, can lead us down paths that we never were supposed to take. That Proverbs 4, 25 through 27 says this. It says, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the past for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. Comparison doesn't allow us to do this completely. See, when we're comparing, we're looking to the left or the right. When we're comparing, we're getting off course. And really, it's a dangerous place to be because oftentimes we'll step in an area. We'll step in an area that's dangerous for us. Where comparison begins, contentment ends. And listen, this is an age-old problem. Hey, this isn't just an issue amongst certain people. This is really an issue amongst all of us, really at any phase in our spiritual walk. I mean, if I come up here and tell you that I don't deal or struggle with comparison, I'd be lying through my teeth. In fact, if any pastor came up and told you that they don't deal with comparison, they'd be lying through their teeth. 
See, what's a, a crazy little secret about pastors are they're a little bit competitive, right? So there's this comparison trap that a lot of us fall into. What happens on a, on a Monday morning is that there's pastors that call each other up, and what are they doing? They're comparing their Sunday morning attendance to each other. It's a terrible thing, but it happens because of the comparison trap, and they're taking their focus away from what it's really meant to be. And it's a trap that we all fall into. It's a trap that's easy to fall into. In fact, it goes all the way back even to Jesus' original followers. In fact, the three of his closest, the three, two of his three closest actually dealt with this as well. You see it, John and Peter both struggled with comparison. And we see it in uh, John chapter 20, verses 2 through 4. And in first services, I forgot to promote the Bible app, and they thought I was, uh, they thought I had fallen away. So if you don't have a Bible, get the Bible app. It's good, right? Get it on your phone. But in uh, John chapter 20, verses 2 through 4, you see this, and you see John and uh, Peter really kind of wrestling with this comparison trap. In fact, John's kind of funny. In his book, in, this, in the Gospel of John, he's writing about himself, and he actually writes about himself in the third person. And it's pretty humorous because he always refers to himself as the one Jesus loved. Like, now, this is, this is pretty good, right? Think about that. This is like me when I'm going to say if I go to my parents, they have an event or something, I go with them there and introduce me. Hey, this is my son. This is clearly how I'm going to introduce myself from now on. Yeah, I'm the one they loved. Shake their hands. Oh, yeah. But this is who John's doing, right? This is what he is. And he's falling into this comparison trap. And in this passage of Scripture, Jesus had just been crucified on the cross. He was put into the tomb, but then they came to see the tomb, and the tomb was empty, right? He did exactly what he said he was going to do. He, he conquered death. Right? And he rose from the dead, leaving the tomb empty. And like, obviously, this is a big deal. Like, this is what the church is all about. This is what we celebrate. This is the Easter story. Right now, we're thankful for it during Thanksgiving, right? But this is what it's all about. This is how the church began. So one of the followers, Mary Magdalene, comes and sees that the tomb is empty, and she's running to tell everybody else. And this is where we'll pick up here in verse 2. And we'll see and check out how John responded. It says, So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said... They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know that where they put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Now, I don't know why, but this is just hilarious to me. Here's John, and he's experiencing Jesus rose from the dead. Like, he's one of the first people to ever see this. It's amazing. The fact that Jesus conquered death, right, did what he said he's going to do. Jesus is who he says he was. He's experiencing all these things for the first time. But in describing this, he thinks it's important to say that he won in a foot race with Peter, right? He's comparing himself to the other follower, right? Even through all this, John is thinking like, dude, I got you in a foot race. Yeah, Jesus just rose from the dead. The tomb's empty. All that's really cool. And Peter, yeah, you're pretty good and stuff. And he said that you're a rock and he's going to build a church on you. But I got you in a foot race, buddy. Like, I got you there. But that's what that is. It's the comparison trap. And what it does is it takes our minds and our thoughts off of what really matters. And for some of us, our mind and our thoughts are off what really matters. And because of that, our contentment has been stolen. Right? Where comparison begins, contentment ends. And we see this. We see this with John. We see this with Peter as well. In fact, in the next chapter, in John 21, verses 20 through, 20 through 22, we see this. In this passage of Scripture, here's Jesus, and he's talking with Peter. He had just told Peter how Peter was going to live out the rest of his life, really even how he was going to die. He was going to die for the purpose of Christ. And for Peter, this was huge, because Peter, at this point, had just denied Jesus three times. Right, so Jesus is coming back saying, you know, you deny me three times, but he's really restoring his life for the purpose of it. Right? So here's this, and this is huge. And Peter's response is this in verse 20. It says, Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. 
So here's Peter thinking like, all this stuff's really good, right? But wait, John's over here. He's following us. Hmm, how do I match up to him? Right? So it says, this was the, the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who is going to betray you? And when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? So Peter gets restored, right? Again, he'd been restated. Jesus actually told him that he loved him three times, almost erasing the three denials. So Peter was being completely lifted up, but Peter is in the middle of this moment and he's saying, what about John, right? How's he gonna do? How do, how do I compare to him? Right? What about him? Again, it's the comparison trap. It gets our focus off what's really, what's really matters. It gets our focus off on what God has for us and it's a dangerous place to live. So Jesus responded to it this way in verse 22. It says, Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Jesus is really saying, don't worry about him, right? Don't worry about him, but instead, follow me. Maybe for some of you, maybe you came in here today stuck in the comparison trap. Maybe for you, if you're honest with yourselves, you're wondering and you're, and you're worried about certain things that, that don't really matter. Right? You're comparing yourself to, to this person or that person. Maybe you even did it when you walked in and said, man, their shirt's nicer than me. Man, they must be living it out, right? Oh, look at them. They, they don't even look like they got in a fight on the way to church today. They probably did, let's be honest, but they don't look like it, so they must be holier than me. Right? We're comparing ourselves. Here's what I want you to do. If you walked in like that, if you walked in feeling like you weren't good enough, you walked in feeling a little lesser, if you walked in maybe feeling a little bit better about yourself, thinking like, yeah, I got this. Man, I got, I got this life thing under control and feeling a little superior. Listen, I want you to understand Jesus is saying this to you. What's it matter? What's it matter? He's saying, he's saying, what's it to you? Right? What does it matter what others are doing? What's it to you? Instead, follow me. And Peter actually heard this. And if you look at it, Peter's life was, he lived out an incredible life, lived out a life pleasing to God. And even the way he died was pleasing to God, honoring him. And because of that, the church was built, right? Because of that, there's followers and the church continued to grow. He had a plan for Peter. And it's a plan for each and every one of us. But to live that out, to live that out, we have to follow him. To live that out, we have to stop comparing ourselves to others. Think about it. Imagine what life would look like if you didn't worry about what others thought about so much. Imagine what life would look like if you didn't worry about how you matched up, how you measured up to others, how you measured up to standards that, that weren't and aren't your standards and never will be your standards. Listen, we can live a little freer. Right? We can live a little better. We can live with a little more purpose. We could actually follow through on some things. That's what Jesus wants for each and every one of us. Right? And here's how we do it. Here's how we live with contentment in the Lord. Here's how we overcome comparison. Number one, we have to define our win. Right? Define your win. I said earlier, the fastest way to kill something special is comparison. And I think the reason why is because we don't necessarily define what's special in our life. There's a lot of times where we've never really defined our win. So what happens is, is we allow other things to define the win for us. Right? We allow other people to define the win for us. We allow other people's standards to define what we think is good or what we, we think is bad. But I want to challenge you. I want you to challenge you to define your own win and don't define it by culture. Right? Don't define it by other standards. Don't define it by society's standards, but define it by God's standards and God's standards for your life. In your life, define your win. Define your win for what he created you for, for what he has before you, for his purpose for you. Right, define your win 
and Jesus. Jesus kind of gives us a quick little cheat sheet to this when he tells Peter this. He says, your win is to follow me. So in our lives, what's it look like to follow Jesus? In your life, what's it look like to follow Jesus? For some of you, maybe that's, that's making a step and making a commitment to follow him. At the end of every service, we always challenge you to take out the connection card and the seat back in front of you, and there's a commitment. On the first box is, I want to make a commitment to follow Christ. Maybe for you, your win starts with checkmarking that box to later today, right? Maybe for you, that it starts with making a commitment to follow Christ. For some of us, maybe we've made a commitment, but maybe we're not living out that commitment. So for us, maybe our win, maybe as we define our win, is to look more like Jesus in our family. It's to, to look more like Jesus and, and how we respond and how we connect with our friends. To look more like Jesus in our career or our workplace. Listen, whatever it is, I want to challenge you to define your win. And each one of us were created for a purpose. Each one of us were designed for a reason. In fact, Ephesians 2.10 says this. It says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Understand this. You are God's handiwork which means this, you're going to reflect God. And if we're God's handiwork, is a reflection of the artist. It's a reflection of the creator of it. Each one of us is God's handiwork, and we need to reflect God. We need to reflect what he does. And he, God's already designed us and created us to do good works, and they're prepared in advance for us. And guess what? It looks different for each and every one of us. But we have to figure out what that means for us. We have to define the win. Listen, for me, for me, I define my win as being faithful and obedient. As a follower of Christ, I think what that means is means I've got to be faithful and obedient, which means this. There's risk I've got to take for Jesus. There's things that I have to do. When I feel the Holy Spirit prompting me to do something, I need to do it. There's times I've failed. I think I've shared stories where, where I felt like I was supposed to buy. I remember one time as a speedway, I was supposed to, there was a guy in front of me buying a Mountain Dew and a Reese cup. And I felt like God said, hey, you're supposed to buy a Mountain Dew and a Reese cup for him. And I thought, God, that's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. I didn't buy it. I walked away feeling completely defeated, feeling like I wasn't living out my purpose. Why? Because I didn't walk in faith there. I wasn't faithful and I wasn't obedient. I want to challenge you. For me, my win is being faithful and obedient. Being obedient means doing things right even when it's not comfortable. Doing the right thing even when, even when it may be hard, even when it may not bring me gratification right away. Right? That's what it is. My win is being faithful and obedient. For me, to be faithful and obedient means that I'm going to be a great husband. I'm going to be faithful and obedient in my marriage. I'm going to be faithful. When I said I'm going to, I, I said I do to Sarah, it meant for life, which means I'm going to be faithful to her for life. And yes, sometimes I even have to be obedient to her as well. And all the wives said amen. Right now, for me, it means to be a faithful, obedient father. Right? Teaching my kids what it means to be a follower of Christ. Teaching them that, you know what, sometimes it's going to take risk. Sometimes you got to push yourself a little bit. Sometimes you got to do the right thing just because it's the right thing. Which means sometimes i got to discipline them when they do the wrong thing, right? I can't just be buddy-buddy with them all the time. But i got to teach them what it means to be a follower of Christ. Let them know that, they, you know what, there's some times that are hard, but there's sometimes and always that even behind the hard times, there's joy. So it's fun, right? Teach my kids that it can be fun to follow Jesus. For me, it means to be faithful and obedient as a pastor of Life Change Church which means that sometimes it's scary. Listen, right now we're in a season of growth, and for me, that's a scary season because the next steps could be scary. Right? We can only do so many services, right? So next steps could be, hey, we're going to have to plant another church somewhere. That's kind of a risk. We're going to have to build a bigger building. That's kind of a risk, right? But we got to have faith. 
we got to walk in obedience. If we're called to be obedient as a pastor of Life Change Church is to reach those for Jesus, right? So then Newark, Newark knows who Jesus is. Newark has a place that, where people can continually grow, and it's going to take more than just one church. It's going to take other churches where we can partner up. But that's what it is to walk in faithfulness and obedience. Listen, for you, I want to challenge you to define your win. Maybe for you, it's to slow down this week. Maybe while you're thinking about the things that you're grateful for as we go into Thanksgiving, maybe for you, you need to slow down, write what you're grateful for, and then write what your win is. Write what it means for you to look like a follower of Christ. Write what it means for you to live out your purpose. Maybe for you, it's a father or mother. Maybe for you, it's a, it's a son or a daughter. Maybe for you, it's, the, it's just being the best employee at your workplace that you can be. Right? The best salesperson there is. Right? The best contractor there is. The best teacher there is. Maybe for you, that's your win, but you need to write it down and then begin to live it out. Think about it. What good works did God create for you to do? What can you do that no one else can do? What has God prepared in advance for you? Write it down. Define it. And then listen, you don't actually have to win at it. Jesus has already won the battle. Jesus has already won the war. We just have to define it and we have to walk in it. We have to realize that who we are, who God created us to be, and realize that the victory is already won. So define the win, and then right after that, we got to run our race. Once we know what our win is, we got to stay in our lane and run our race. And Jesus told Peter when he asked about John, he says, What's it to you? What are other people's, what are other people's plans? What are people's races? What are people, what does it matter to you? Right? What, what's an other person's definition of a win matter to you? Right? Even though I just stated what my win was, what's it matter to you? Honestly, what's it matter to you? See, the chances are we're in different places in life. The chances are the person next to you has a different place in life. The chances are the person across the aisle from you is at a different place in life. So what does their win, what does their race matter to you? Listen, if you have kids under the age of 12, your race is going to look different than those without kids. Right? If you have kids on the age of 12, your race is going to look different than those with kids that are in teenage years, than those that are different, the kids with, that, are, that are out of the house. And so stop comparing that. Right? Stop comparing that. But instead, just run your race. Run your race and don't worry about others. Don't match yourself up with others. The author of Hebrews says it this way in Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such oppositions from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Listen, this passage of Scripture is so good. In fact, it's a whole sermon in itself, but it shows us exactly. It shows us exactly how to run our race. And it shows us exactly how to answer the question when Jesus asks, what's it to you? It shows us how we need to run our race and focus in on Jesus. And to do that, we got to throw off everything that hinders us. And looking to others hinders us. Looking at our sin compared with others, looking at our past compared with others. Is, and it's when we dwell on that, what that is, it's a hindrance to us and we got to throw it off. Right? And then we've got to run with perseverance. Run the race marked for you. Right? Which means this, don't give up. I think for some of us, we get so close to really living and, and, and to flowing in what God wants for us. Right? To allowing the Holy Spirit to work to us. We get so close. We're right there at the wall. All we need is one more step, but it gets hard. And we say, you know what? I'm done. And we quit. 
No, keep going. Persevere. Right? Run your race with perseverance. Right? And run your race at your pace. I think a lot of times, too, what happens is we get tired because we're not running at a pace that was designed for us. For some of us, we're maybe running a little too fast. I think about this even in, in the running. So I enjoy running. I enjoy trail running. And there's sometimes we'll go out and we'll run as a group. In fact, a few weeks ago for, a, for training, I ran with Brandon, our tech director, who is uh, he's a little quicker than me. He's a little skinnier than me. He's a little whatever. No, <laughs> but we ran, right? And so we had to get a 10-mile run, and, and um, we started... And for Brandon, his pace is fast and then stays fast and then keeps fast, right? That's his pace. So for me, though, like it takes me a while to get this body rolling, right? It takes me a little bit to get going. So for the first mile or two, I always run with people and they think, really, Corbin, you run? Like the first mile, they look at me like, I think you're going to die, bud. Like, you should check yourself. I'm like, don't worry. I'll regulate. It'll be all right. Give me a mile here. We'll be good, right? But it takes me a while, right? I've got to go a little bit slower for the first couple miles. Then I do eventually get faster. But a couple weeks ago, we ran with Brandon. I'm like, dude, I'm just going to go with him the whole time. So we just started out. I was running at a pace that wasn't mine. So we get to this. I'm supposed to run 10 miles. We get to four miles in. I'm like, dude, I'm down. I'm like, I'm bailing. I'm going back, which was terrible because I had four miles back. But I'm like, I'm not hitting 10 today. Right? He's like, okay, I'm going to keep going. I'm like, of course you are. <laughs> he's like, he's like you just turn back. I'll probably, I'll probably meet up with you. Or no, he's like, I won't meet up with you. You'll be back before. I'm like, dude, you'll meet up with me before we're even close to being done. Right? And he did. Because my pace, I was, it wasn't a good run because I wasn't running at a pace I was going at. And I think a lot of times we're living a life on a Christian walk. We're living just lives in general, and we're not going at the pace we want to. So a lot of us, we can't get to the point we need to get to. For some of us, we're living frustrated because we're not running at our pace. Listen, we've got to run with perseverance, the race marked out for you. And then we've got to fix our eyes on Jesus. Meaning this, we think about him, not others. And when we do this, when we do this, we will not grow weary. We will not lose heart. Maybe for some of us, maybe for some of us, for an order us, for us to live this out, we need to, to get rid of some things that hinder us. Maybe for us, it's a mindset. Maybe we have a, a poor mentality where we're thinking, oh, I'm just not good enough, right? The not enough mindset. Maybe we need, to get, we need to get rid of that mindset. For some of us, maybe it's a past mistake that we're holding on to that we need to get rid of. Maybe for us, it's a standard that's placed on us that's not a standard that we need. For some of us, we're trying to, to live out our parents' dream for us, but it's not our dream. It's not what God has planned for us. And we need, to, we need to get rid of that because it's hindering us. Maybe for some of us, we need to run at our own pace. Again, some of us, maybe we're going too, too fast. Maybe some of us are going a little too slow, though, to be honest with you as well. But we need to run at our own race. And here's how you find out your own race. Here's how you find out your own pace. You need to ask yourself, how long can I continue doing what I'm doing? Right? And, and still be effective. For some of us, we're burning candles on all ends. And we're thinking like, dude, I can make it, I can make it to the end of tomorrow. Guess what? You're going too fast. That's not your pace. Slow down. Run your pace. And for some of us, we're thinking like, dude, I got this. I'm not even breaking a sweat. I can do this until the day I die. I'm not really effective, but I'm rolling forward, right? Guess what? It's probably time to pick up your pace. Probably time to stretch it a little bit. Try to push yourself a little bit, right? But I don't challenge you. I challenge you, run at your pace. And then fix your eyes on Jesus. For some of us, we just need to get back. We need to get back to where it started. We need to get back and fix our eyes on Jesus. I mean, we need to, maybe we need to pick up the Bible and read and allow God to speak to it, through it to us. For some of us, we need to spend a little more time praying to God. Like our prayer time is, maybe it's non-existent. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Get back to him. Spend time with him. 
For some of us, we need to, to place the right people around us. Maybe we need to get in a life group. Right? So we're connecting with others, going towards God, going towards that direction. Maybe we need to attend church more regularly. Whatever it is, I challenge you. I challenge you to do it. Run your race. And then number three, number three is a bonus. We don't really see it in what Jesus said. But to overcome comparison, we need to celebrate others. Right? We need to celebrate others. Instead of being jealous for what they have, instead of looking at it and thinking, oh, why did they get that? I can't believe that they're so blessed and I'm not. I'm over here struggling. My washing machine broke, blah, blah, blah. Right? What if we just celebrate what they have? As we go into Thanksgiving, this is a time where we look to our life and say, man, I'm so thankful. What if, what if we even challenge ourselves this week to say, you know what? Let me be grateful. Let me be thankful for what my friends have. Let me be grateful. Let me be thankful for what my family members have and the blessing that God's given them. Let me be thankful for the lessons that they have, the wisdom, the fact that they've gone through some certain things. You know what? Let me be grateful for that. Let me celebrate with them of what God is doing in their life, what God has done in their life. So it's hard to celebrate something and be jealous about it at the same time. So I challenge you to overcome comparison in your life. Celebrate others. Be grateful for what they have. Go through the wins. Give them high fives. You might have to fake it at first, but guess what? Pretty soon, pretty soon you can become genuine about it. Push yourself. Celebrate with others. I want to challenge you. Overcome comparison by defining your win through Jesus. Then run your race and celebrate others. If you would, pull out the connection card in the seat back in front of you. Maybe here today, and again, maybe for you, maybe it starts with defining your win in Jesus, and maybe it is just the commitment. Maybe you've heard me every single Sunday talk about a commitment to follow Christ. You talk about, talk about making a mark and making a decision to do, but you've never done it. Maybe today's time to define your win. Listen, I want you to understand that Jesus loved you so much. God loved you so much that he gave Jesus, his only son, to live a perfect life, die on a cross, pay the ultimate penalty, and be risen again so that you could have a connection with him. And it starts with defining our win. It starts with making a commitment to him. If that's you, check mark that box. Maybe for you, maybe God's asking you to do something. Maybe again, maybe he's asking you to define your win in a different way. Maybe it's living it out. Maybe it's actually writing down your purposes, writing down what it looks like to be a follower of Christ. Maybe for you, maybe he's asking you to run your race in a certain way. Maybe he's asking you to celebrate others. Whatever it is, I want to challenge you to write that down. And then this week, put it into action. Put it into place, if you would at this time fill that connection card out completely there's also a place for prayer requests where we would love to partner with you in prayer and also use this time to get any ties or offerings ready and then Daryl will be up in just a moment for next steps thank you for listening to the life change church podcast if you were here today and you're listening and you made a decision to follow christ we would love to hear about it or maybe you're here and you're listening and that god is asking you to make the next step with whatever that it is in your life. We would love to hear about it and partner up with you. If you would, go to www.mylifechangechurch.com and under the media section, please fill out the contact us information and let us know if you made a decision to follow Christ. Let us know what God is asking of you. And if you need prayer, we would love to partner up with you in prayer as well. We hope that you enjoyed the podcast and that it both encouraged and challenged you. Have a great week.